have them in our tournament. Closing out tournaments has been Rory McIlroy's Achilles heel all season long. He finished second at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, seventh at the PGA, second at the U.S. Open. But that wasn't the case yesterday as he escaped with a one-stroke victory at the Scottish Open. If he can manage to build off that success, the current world number three may be in a perfect position to win his first major in over eight years. I'm Dan Patrick. For the win from the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, where every Monday get one of Jethro's world-famous meal deals. Score! This is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Taking until just before 1 o'clock. Still to come, bottom of the hour, Scott Dockerman covers Iowa and the Big Ten for The Athletic. We will talk to Doc. Uh, his lengthy multi-part piece continues on in The Athletic. The um, influence that uh, Jim Delaney had on on uh, college, uh, what we have today with all the realignment, etc. Shouldn't be lost on anybody. Is he the most... Is he as, I'll put it this way, mm-hmm. is he as impactful, as important as anyone in college athletics? I don't think there's any doubt about it. What he did starting the formation of the Big Ten Network has completely mm-hmm. changed the way that we look at television and rights after the top tier ones in all of college athletics. Starting the wheels in motion, getting Penn State, then going out, getting Nebraska, the expansion that has continued, Maryland Rutgers there, and just what finances look like in college athletics he was the one when everyone laughed at him. Mm-hmm. We're going to take our tier two and tier three rights, and we're going to make our own network. And ESPN laughed in his yep. face. He was the smartest guy in the room, seemingly mm-hmm. every single time that he walked in. He also let people know he was the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> there was a little arrogance that went along with it, but in terms of impact, no mm-hmm. doubt, he is way, way up there. How much is BTN worth today? Oh, right? man. Jesus. Tommy Birch covers the, well, he covers the Iowa Cubs. He writes about a lot of sports topics uh, for the Des Moines Register. Uh, and he joins us as we talk a little baseball. Birchie, back at uh, Principal Park starting tomorrow as the I-Cubs uh, return home. A lot of ground to cover with you, Tommy. Thanks for joining us on your off day. How are you, Birchie? I'm doing good. I'm uh, actually headed out to, to do some golfing today. Are you? Yeah, I'm I'm trying to turn again to golf. I've got long ways to go. My game is, is not very good right now, Ken. Uh, and uh, where where will you be performing uh, this 18 hole event, Percy? Where are you going? Hold <laughs> on, but I'm I'm not sure I want to tell people. That's a, <laughs> a little terrifying. I I prefer to fly under the radar when I'm golfing. No, but if you tell them, you warn them. Just be if you're not in the same course, be warned. I'm playing as well. So uh, when you do hit one awry, anyways, uh, Bertie, uh, t- Trent and I did some math, which is always dangerous yeah. for us early in the show. Uh, but thankfully, the Cubs have played 90 games, so it made it a little bit easier for us to do mathematics as to what the big Cubs would need to do if indeed. You know, we think that 87 wins now that the Brewers seemingly have turned a corner and they're getting their guys back and they begin uh, the Week 10 games above 500. We think Chicago's somehow going to find a way to win, you know, 43 more ball games. maybe. They've only got, what, 72 left, something like that. 
Birchie is asking a lot for Chicago to get to that point. We don't think there's going to be a wild card safety net for the runner-up in the Central. I guess where I'm going, Tommy, is they're looking like sellers uh, once we get to the trade deadline, which is two weeks from today. Does that seem right to you? Absolutely, yeah. And I know the Cubs have said like they're still waiting to to see how things go. But my impression is they already have a decision. They're going to be sellers at the deadline. But the thing is, I don't think it's going to be like a hard sell. I think it's going to be a soft sell where, you know, it's like, okay, trade Cody Bellinger, trade Marcus Stroman. It's not trade everybody. It's not unload the entire roster. It's not go into a complete rebuild mode. I think they've got the base of what they want to do already kind of made with Dansby Swanson, um, Ian Hat, Nico Horner, mm-hmm. those guys locked up. But I think now it's about, okay, um, getting some more minor league prospects that are closer to helping out down the road. You know, when when they actually went through this rebuild and traded Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, it was a it was a massive rebuild. They didn't want to call it a rebuild. They wanted to call it a, a retooling, but it was a rebuild and it was a rebuild to the point that they were acquiring um minor league prospects that were really young prospects, you know, A ball type prospects guys right out of the draft. I don't think that's the route they're going to go this time when they start uh, selling off assets. I think it's going to be acquiring guys that are on the in the double-A level or triple-A level and are far away from helping out the, the Cubs in the future. As it pertains to rentals, Cody Bellinger has got to be one of the more intriguing guys out there. He's having a return season to kind of the form that we saw when he was what an MVP and up there. Had. He is hitting over 300-something. I didn't know if he'd ever get back to that point in the middle of July, yet here he is. He's showing the pop again, two-and-a-half war on the season. He has everything that you're looking for to help out. He can play the corners. He can play center field. He has a lot of suitors, you would think. What kind of return, though, knowing that he is a two-year rental, and on top of it, maybe he's a part of the Cubs' future plans and giving him a big contract after this season. Where do the Cubs go with Bellinger? Yeah, I think they got to trade him just because, look, they they feel pretty confident about what they have in Chicago right now and what they have coming up through the system. Obviously, Ian Happ, Seiya Suzuki. They've got some other guys, too. You know, Nelson Velasquez is not a bad player mm-hmm. who I think could be a really good fourth outfielder at the very least, provide some depth or maybe ends up being a part of a trade. But Pete Crow Armstrong is going to be the center fielder of the future. They have a tremendous amount of faith in him being able to fill that void. So I don't think keeping Cody Bellinger in their plans is is really something they're going to do because, look, he's going to become a free agent at the end of the year. You don't want him to walk without getting something. And signing him to a long-term deal, you know you've got Pete Crow Armstrong, a guy that you have control over for a long time coming up through the system that you think could be a superstar. And I think I've mentioned this before. When it comes to Pete Crow Armstrong, there have been a lot of prospects that have kind of made their way up through the system. He has like a Chris Bryant-type feel to him in terms of like, this is a guy that you build your organization around. This is a guy that um, you talk about when it comes to your future plans, kind of an untouchable-type prospect. He is that type of player. He's not on... You know, the the type of level that we've seen with some of these other guys that have come up through the system recently that, no disrespect, there, there are some really good prospects that have come up 
you know, the, the Wilson Contreras is, the Albert Almora's, the, even the Javi Baez is. But what Chris Bryant did in Chicago during those early years, it seems like PCA has the, the ability to, to be that type of impact player. And do you expect him to be to break camp and, and uh, with the with the big team next year with the Chicago Cubs? Not not back here in Iowa to start. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. I think how this end of the season kind of dictates that. You know, we still at Double A right now. I expect to to see him in Triple A at some point this season. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's after the deadline or um, if it's at the end of the season when the Double A season ends. But at some point. I would expect PCA to be in Des Moines. And that can, you know, what happens next year, um, you know, will we'll probably depend on how he does here because this will be his first phase of AAA pitching. He's still a young guy, too. I mean, he just turned 21. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's a massive rush gotcha. to get him to the big leagues quite yet. But, look, if he plays well here, he plays well in spring training, I think he'll get an invite to spring training. He plays well both those times. Yeah, he he could realistically break camp with them. Hmm. You know, back to Belgium for just a second. Great weekend at Grand Slam and a couple home runs on on Friday night. He's he's come out of the uh, the break on, on fire. I saw him. I'm not sure if it was during uh, one of the Cubs games over the weekend or for Sunday night baseball. They said that behind Otani, the second most coveted bat uh, available at the trade deadline would be Bellinger. Hmm. I mean, that's going to bring back a haul. Trent, go ahead. Sorry. No, I think that's something that is impactful, and that's what you're looking at. Who else returns a haul? And maybe not the haul that Stroman. you're going to get. You're going Stroman, I huh? I think he's the guy. Birchie, what do you think on that front? Yeah, I mean, I think Marcus Stroman is somebody that's going to uh, command a, a pretty good taking for the Cubs if they decide to ship him, which right now that appears to be the route that they're going. You know, they, They've been adamant that they're, they're not going to um, discuss possible contract extensions with him during the season, which... You know, he he is going to test the free agent market with the year that he's had. So I think it's kind of the same case with Stroman as it is with Bellinger is that you don't want to let him walk away without getting something for him. And I think obviously the Cubs feel really high about some of the pitching that they have coming through the system with Jordan Wicks, uh, Ben Brown, some of the other guys that are in double A. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're ready to quite fill that those voids yet obviously they can go out in the free agent market and and uh do some work there but um to let marcus stroman just go ahead and walk which i think they will they they have to feel comfortable in what they have coming up and what they can go out and get Cody Bellinger's last 20 games, we talked about Brian Buxton hitting a buck 41 his last 30. We'll get to him in a minute, your squad, Birchie. Uh, Bellinger's batting 403, five, five home runs, 14 RBI, and uh, 1.090 OPS. I mean, he's, the guy's on fire. Another guy that's really intriguing, and he's finally bro- broken out, and we feel like we've been talking about him for a decade, and it's almost been that long. It has been. As Elzelai. So we saw Adbert here, really good starter, didn't work as a starter at the next level. He's turned himself into a good reliever, and now the closer for the team. He's 28 years old. You figure he's part of the bullpen and the future of the bullpen. However, bullpen arms. They get pretty big returns, and certainly guys that can close things out on the back end there. Any opportunity there, if the right offer came along, that the Cubs would be willing to part with Elzelai. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to take calls on everybody. You you at least have to 
entertain it and just see what the value is for it. And I think kind of the way a lot of teams look at bullpen arms is even though those end up being in the most demand when it comes to the trade deadline, I think a lot of teams look at like those are the most replaceable um, internally. Those are the spots that you can you can fill in pretty easily uh, with what you have in the minor league system or what you can get via free agency. I don't think that's always the case, though. Obviously, um, you know, what Albert has, has done with the Chicago Cubs this year has been really remarkable. Um, I really didn't think they were going to cut the cord on him being a starter as quickly as they did because I always thought he had uh, number four, number five type starter stuff, but they found a role for him that um, really seems to maximize um, his talents, which, you know, for the amount of time and the energy that they've invested in him, I think obviously you got to go that round and ride the, the card while, while it's still hot. But, uh, you know, I, I think they are going to listen to anybody and everyone when it comes to players on that roster, especially Bolton, when, when they feel like that's possibly an edge that they can replace, uh, you know, on their own too. Uh, Birchie, the last two first basemen that the I-Cubs have uh, sent uh, to the big leagues, uh, Mervis was up there for a while, uh, really struggled in, in, with the bat in his hand. Now, same thing, Jared Young's going through it. Uh, what is it about these two? When they, uh, They've got their chances. Uh, hasn't worked for either of them so far, but yet Mervis comes back down to AAA and he's just going crazy. Uh, and Young just can't figure it out as far as, you know, uh, being able to get his offense going. What is it about those two? And of the two, seems like Mervis has the, cause, cause Young's 20, late 20s. Um, Mervis has the best chance to, you know, to f- make and stick on a major league roster. Yeah, possibly. I think there's obviously more upside when it comes to Matt Mervis. Obviously, we've seen that at the AAA level with the numbers he has, um, he has put up. I think, obviously, the the troubles that he went through in Chicago are, are going to maybe force them to keep him in AAA a little bit longer. I was kind of under the mindset of, like, okay, they, they Matt Mervis was certainly worthy of a call-up at the time, but I thought, the timing just was not right for for the Cubs. And it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with him because, you know, we're talking about all these perspective uh, trade pieces. You know, a guy like Matt Mervis is somebody that, even though it has not worked out with the Chicago Cubs for him right now, and I don't know what their level of faith in him is moving forward, that he can be a guy moving forward. I got to imagine there are some organizations that are at least intrigued by Matt Mervis might be willing to, to give him a shot. So I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Mervis fell at the trade deadline as mm. well. Hey, here's the uh, iCub guy that doesn't show up in any of the top prospect lists, but he's swinging it this year. Switch hitting, what is it, Jonathan Perlaza? Yeah. yeah. 24 he's years old, you know, up. little guy out there swinging it around both sides of the plate. Doesn't show up in the prospect list, but uh, where is he? Has he got a shot here of, of maybe coming up, being a September call-up, something like that at minimum? Yeah, I think kind of the trade deadline will dictate that, what pieces they end up moving in, in Chicago. But, yeah, I mean, he has done absolutely nothing but rake when he's been down here. He's been an exciting player, a fun player, uh, a clubhouse favor, and some of the scouts I've talked to uh, from opposing teams have been really, really intrigued by him and can't figure out, okay, is this guy a triple-A player or a major league player? 
but at the very least want to see what he can do at the big league level. So I wouldn't be shocked if we, we see him in Chicago at some point after the trade deadline. Keep it in the fairway, Birchie. Uh, thanks for giving us a few minutes to hear. Uh, we appreciate it, as always, and we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you, Tommy Birch. I make no promises on my golf. <laughs> gotcha. Thank you, Birchie. Take care. Thanks, guys. All right, good to talk to you. Tommy Birch, as we talk a little baseball uh, with our buddy Tommy Birch. Yeah, Mervis and now Young, both of those guys really struggled mightily once they got their opportunity. I think Stroman goes. I've heard Toronto. Oh, uh, return, to return to Toronto. I don't... I don't know. Where are they going to put him? Yeah, that's not really the problem. I don't think it is, Trent. They're, Ryu's coming back. He's got one more start left in the minor league. And he was their opening day starter two years ago. Yeah. Manoa had a good start coming or going into the break, which was good to see. Was um, it fool's goal? Do you well, believe I wonder. In it? It's a fair point. Yeah, excellent point. Let's let's wait for what this week brings. Gossman's terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, Barrios has been good. Kikuchi's Kikuchi. Kikuchi's hit and miss. Yeah. Depends what day you see him. Bassett, solid. Chris Bassett's been phenomenal. I think he's a great signing. Um, we'll see. I don't. What's the pro- What what had been the problem for the team? They caught fire over the weekend, but was it like a timely hitting thing? Uh, yeah, I guess. Because you look through the roster, we went through the rotation. Bullpen is very good. Mm-hmm. The they can swing the ball right, and that's the thing. You, you go through and you look at this lineup. It is. Bobachet and Springer yeah, and yeah. Guerrero and Chapman yeah. and Merrifield and Kiermeyer and Kirk behind just on and on and Danny on. Danny Jansen's been better behind the plate this year's batting averages are better. Th- this is as deep of a roster you're gonna find. I agree with you. So they're figuring it out. I guess. <laughs> I hope. You're you're not exactly sold, it doesn't sound like though either. No, I mean Trent, they're loaded. They're absolutely yeah. loaded. There's a reason they were such a short price to mm-hmm. to win the American League. Now Tampa got off to that phenomenal start. Baltimore's been a terrific story. And here's the thing, they're not going anywhere. Right. They got four guys that are on the cusp of coming up. You know, when you suck for as long as they do, that means you have a lot of really high draft picks. And those draft picks are starting to get to the show. Uh, and they've drafted very, very well. The Yankees are always going to be the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Red Sox are kind of, it depends what uh, what weekend you see yeah, them. they're okay. They're okay, right? But they're above 500. They are, they're, they're 50 and 44. It's ama- everybody's above 500 in that division. It's incredible. And usually when we have these types of conversations, like the last team is like a game above. Right. They're six games over 500. Right. <laughs> and they're in last place in the division. Tied yeah. with the Yankees. Uh-huh. Our buddy Drew Shipley's got the Orioles like a 25-28. I got one of those. To win the to, to win the East? Yes. And they're a game out beginning play here today? We, Drew and I, were talking about that off, off oh, the... Is that yeah, right? one day we were going back and forth, and yeah, we both... It just... I think at that point they were like still eight, nine games out, something like that. Jesus. But the Rays opened up at that pace that was unsustainable. Mm-hmm. And we've gone to, down this road a couple of times now over the last couple of weeks. The Orioles have such an opportunity to go yeah. out there and they can put get Strowman. You don't have to push all your chips to the middle. We talked about this with Bieber. Uh-huh. If Cleveland continues to fall back, go out there, get one well, of those. Bieber, they guys. shot him down for a couple of weeks. So yeah, you're scary. You're you're trading for damaged goods potentially. Well I know about that with Tyler Malley last year. Yeah. Damage goods. Are the Twins going to make moves there in first place? I mean, they've got one team to beat. We both agree, right? We think Detroit, there's a nice story. Mm-hmm. The plucky Tigers, but probably not ready for prime time. What are you trading for? It's well, a you bat. you got to bring a bat. A bat. 
But what kind of... All right. I mean, what about Bellinger? Be fine with that. Right? DFA Kepler. It's over. Okay. It's not going to happen. If everybody that thought, well... And Park Buxton's you-know-what on the bench. Is that going to help? Well, I mean, it can't hurt. He's batting 141 in his last 30 games. You definitely, with as he's bad not, as he's that He's a DH, period. Right. Shut him down for a couple of uh-huh. weeks. It's not going to help from everybody in the medical side of things. That is so unfortunate, Trent. He yeah. was, his uh, trajectory, mm-hmm. my God, this guy was going to be a superstar. Hall of Famer. Uh-huh. He's been battling to get to 700 OPS. He's hitting 199. Slugging's not there. And he had some pop at the beginning of the year, and mm-hmm. that is completely dissipated, too. He was running a little bit at the beginning of the year. Well, he can't get on base to run anymore. Right. He's still super fast, even with an awful knee, with the, all the leg injuries that he's had. He's still incredibly fast. And what did they sign him to? How many more years they got him? Oh, what was it, like a six-year deal, something like that? I want to say that's what it was, right in that range. Jets, uh, New York Jets begin training camp on Friday, just so everybody's aware. <laughs> How close we are. It's twelve twenty five and it's time for another thousand dollar home run. Head to KXNO.com right now. Enter this nationwide contest by typing the keyword credit into that pop-up box. Credit at KXNO.com. Your chance to win a thousand dollars. Credit at KXNO.com. More opportunities coming up. In fact, two of them with Murph and Andy, three of them with Heather and Sean as they take you home. The Byron Buxton contract runs through 2028. Seven years, $100 million was the contract. At the time, it seemed like a really good price. It did. Maybe he knew something we didn't. Yeah. Oof. Miller and Condon back uh, with Scott Dockerman on the Hawkeyes and the Big Ten and Jim Delaney's influence. Doc's written uh, extensively about that at The Athletic over the last week or so. Uh, we'll talk to him about that. Uh, it's uh, Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. XNO. Trent Condon back with you. Are you a DIY landlord? Then you probably don't have much free time between finding tech. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it's filling out tax forms, repairing drywall, and answering calls about runny faucets and leaky toilets. You're not free to do much of anything. That's why you need Renner's Warehouse. When our professional landlords go to work for you, you're suddenly free to do a lot of things. Free to get a good night's sleep. Free to have dinner with your family every night. Free to take a vacation. And free to be so efficient managing one property, you're free to acquire even more. And one step closer to financial freedom. Go to renterswarehouse.com today to book your free home rental price analysis. Or call 515-528-4425.
That's 528-4429. And feel free to remember this rhyme. DIY is no way to be. Call Renner's Warehouse and Kelly's Little Nipper. Do you remember the last walk-off homer to win the World Series? It's been a while, but the answer is 1993. Do you know when Wolf Roofing started roofing houses? That's right, 1993. Wolf Roofing has been around for a long time. For your next roofing project, put the experience of Wolf Roofing on your side. Find them on the web at wolfroofing.net or give them a call at 515-225-8866. Or online, Wolf Roofing. Your side. Joined by J.P. Richardson of Central Iowa Sports, and the long season continues for everybody there. I just want to take this time and thank all the players and their parents and their family members that come out and enjoy our Central Iowa Sports tournaments every weekend. We appreciate the out-of-towners coming in, but we really appreciate the locals, all the different ball clubs here from Central Iowa. We just couldn't do it without them, and really that's why we're doing it, is for the youth. And J.P., fast pitch and baseball season isn't close to over. If anybody's listening and they're putting a team together, Together, or they just want to add another tournament or two, we go all the way up through October with baseball and even into the first week of November with fast pitch. We'd love to have them go to centraliowasports.com and take a look and get a hold of us, and we'd love to... Wherever you get your podcast. Maybe you're thinking about franchiseness or purchasing a franchise. There's an experienced and trustworthy franchise lawyer right in your backyard. Don't waste your time or money searching for a lawyer out of state when Rush Niggett is here and ready to help your business. Hi, I'm Rush. I've specialized in business and franchise law for the past 25 years. I don't just want to be your lawyer. I want your business to succeed as much as you do. Your business needs Rush. Visit his award-winning blog at RushOnBusiness.com. It's good to have Rush on your... Terms and conditions apply. Last summer, my house was hit with hail. Between assessing damage on the roof and dealing with insurance, it can be a stressful situation. Luckily for me, it wasn't stressful because I called my friends with Wolf Roofing. We were able to get a new roof on our family home in one day. It looked sharp, everything was cleaned up, and now we have peace of mind with our new roof. Set up your next roofing project with Wolf Roofing at 515-225-8866. Or you can go online at Wolf Roof the Lincoln Way. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. We take you till 1 o'clock. Trends play of the day coming up in about, oh, 15 minutes or thereabouts. Let's get our friend Scott Docterman in here. Uh, writes for the Athletic Boys. Got a phenomenal piece, multi-part piece on Jim Delaney and his influence going all the way back into the late 80s, early 90s when realignment really, uh, before we even knew it was coming, <laughs> Jim Delaney saw the future uh, and has made a, a massive, massive of impact on that. But Doc, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, the news yesterday, well, the news broke yesterday, but uh, Randy Larson Saturday passed away. Such a uh, an influential presence when it comes to Iowa men's basketball with the primetime league, of course, of support of it over the years, um, representing a bunch of student athletes if they had uh, legal troubles as, as his role as an attorney. You know, that uh, that aside, just his influence on on Iowa basketball uh, should not be lost on anybody in the primetime league was his baby. Oh, it sure was. He really loved the primetime league and loved it as much as he did probably any other uh, venture that he was in um, and ran it, um, you know, uh, with, I wouldn't say an iron hand, but man, he was, 
he was very active in the primetime league. And I sat in on a draft, and uh, you know some of the discussions where I was told were off record when he was discussing a lot of times Iowa and Northern Iowa and some local college players who were in there. And um, but it clearly was his baby. He coached uh, coached it. Uh, <laughs> uh, did some really kind of funny things. I thought at times, you know, calling it. A timeout with like 50 seconds left of the championship game so he could hand out the awards so <laughs> people would still be in their seats before it left. I mean, and, and I kind of panned him for it. And then he, you know, really got after me in an email. <laughs> but, we, you know, all, all was well. But, no, I mean, you could not at all, uh, you know, his passion for the PTL was was out of – was just incredible. And, and really, I think Iowa basketball has lost a lot by not having the PTL anymore and – they lost a true friend without Randy Larson around. You know, that was such a huge part of our summers is talking about the mm-hmm. players and the games and improvements that we saw from the different players. It was a huge piece. Of course, the change in the television as well with the formation of the Big Ten Network not available anymore locally. Now, Iowa basketball, it, it's funny, as I get older and older and now make my way deeper into my 40s, explaining to the young people out there what Iowa basketball was. And Randy was a part of that. Basketball on television was a part of that on your local station. Iowa basketball today, compared to what it was even 20 years ago, was just a completely different conversation. No question, Trent. And it's a good thing you brought that up because I was actually writing around that type of topic and uh-huh. had to cut some of it in one of my stories coming up. But the, the fact is that in 1988, Iowa signed the most lucrative uh, third-tier rights deal in the country. Because of it, aired all the basketball games, aired the football games that were not national, and the coaches show on on a statewide basis. And so Iowa made more than any other school in the country that very year. After that deal was reached, the Big Ten had a deal to pool all their resources together. So Iowa was no longer was in control of it, and it was the last school that was in control of it. So um, that from that era onward, it started to slope down, and even before BTN. Uh, but the games were still on syndicated, but the money went to the, the common pool. And uh, But compared now to what it was in the late 80s through early 2000s, uh, it's it's night and day. And it's really sad. And I think, but I also think the, the PTL, losing the PTL, lost a connection with fans. And Randy was really good about uh, promoting it. He wanted people out there. He wanted people writing about it. He was free to talk about it in every single circumstance. And uh, and it was really just an unfortunate situation to, to have it go bye-bye because he got a couple hundred fans there every single time and stories. And, and it really, you know, fans got to meet and interact with players. And I thought it was a real um, – public relations, easy public relations win for Iowa basketball all those years. Uh, Doc, it's been a win for us athletic to subscribers to read your multi-part piece on Jim Delaney's influence when it comes to realignment. I'm, I'm learning so much, Doc, uh, as I as I read this uh, this multi-part piece. It's incredibly well done. Just how from, I mean, when it started, how many years ago that this f- first popped up in his head to how quickly Nebraska or the Big Ten moved when it seemed like the, the Big 12 and Nebraska, that really relationship was about to implode within a week of that um, of Texas you know uh, flexing their muscle a little bit Nebraska was in the Big Ten just a remarkable remarkable piece doc he really opened up to you didn't he yeah he sure did and I talked to him for about an, well, an hour and a half or whatever the first time and then 
about three to four hours later, I get a, uh, a message, hey, want to talk some more? And apparently he went to the dentist and he was bored and, <laughs> and decided he wrote down a bunch of notes and then he wanted to, to reach out and, uh, and, and really kind of reemphasize many of the points. And, and I think uh, it, it just shows what a influence he was, you know, 71 presidents uh, over his 30 years at the Big Ten, uh, you know, starting it in, in and this is a story that's coming out, I guess it'll be next Monday now, just the contentious start to the to Penn State coming in and how it barely made it in the Big Ten. And it wasn't really on him, it was on the presidents. But but it just how he had to weather that, and he discussed that a little bit, and, and how closed-minded that process was. And then 19 years later, how transparent it was with Nebraska, and then kind of mixing and matching when he brought in Maryland and Rutgers, but then also just the impact of realignment across the board. What were the key instigators? And, and uh, you know, and he, he goes back to two big moments. One, when the Big East decided not to add Penn State, and two, when uh, the Supreme Court deregulated um, television for the conferences and for the schools. So uh, both of those were, you know, starting points. And he was just incredibly thoughtful. And all things told, we probably spent between two and a half and three hours on the phone talking about it. We know Notre Dame has always been, obviously, geographically, it makes sense. Football brand-wise, it makes sense. That's been the one that is out there. On that next tier, though, after Notre Dame, what was Delaney's biggest miss? What was the opportunity that maybe, looking back in hindsight, was out there. I think of a program like Texas, great academics, obviously the football brand to go along with it, and a whole lot of eyeballs on the TV sets there. Would that be one, and was that ever, not even a realistic possibility, was that ever close to being on the board? Well, Texas was. He wouldn't go. That was the one thing he did shut down on me was that he was not going to talk about um, because of non-disclosure. NDAs, yeah. I, yep. Yeah. I really wanted to get into him on a couple of the teams. Georgia Tech, because one of our writers was writing about Georgia Tech and the other, Missouri. I was really fascinated with what happened there and why Missouri never really was, uh, you know, considered a member. But I, I don't, I think overall, Notre Dame was the one that they wanted. They've wanted a long time. I think he confirmed that for me, probably more than, you know, the, some of the nuance that we, we discussed over the years. Uh, so if there was anything where I think maybe they were caught a little bit uh, on the backside, it might have been the last one, and it was because the ACC just kept growing. And he knew that he needed to be aggressive and defensive at the same time. You know, and he was happy, he said, with 12. And Nebraska was a great addition, regardless of how their football program has performed the last handful of years. Um, but I think when you look at Maryland and Rutgers, were they the right two? Would it have been smarter to go after Virginia and North Carolina then? Um, well, they really wanted contiguous, and he wanted to go for the Northeast. And so if there was one that I thought maybe would have been better, might have been Syracuse over Rutgers, if you're going to go that route. But overall, um, you know, Rutgers has been <laughs> a tough play for them, but but I think in the more he describes it, and that's also one of our stories coming up, Stuart Mandel and I have really tackled that one for next week is uh that was there there's a lot of stuff going on with with Rutgers so I would say I would have probably went Syracuse over Rutgers Mm -hmm. but you would have had to beat the ACC to that punch I think that might have been the one that got away was he always on board with the Big Ten Network doc did he see this as being the cash cow that it's become 
I don't know that he thought it would be quite the cash cow, but he that was his baby. He's the one who started that. He's the one who came up with the idea, and that is his ultimate legacy. And when you know he finally when he passes on in a couple hundred years, <laughs> <laughs> you know that'll be what we all uh, write about because he thought of that, and that was kind of mentioned in my today's came piece? Out Friday. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, or Fridays. Okay, on, yeah, Friday. Just how instrumental it was because they quadrupled their their money very quickly and then it forced the sec and acc to go to to networks and think about networks and and uh the pac-12 you know he he, i didn't write as much about that but they could not have screwed that up more worse if they tried Mm -hmm. and um and he kind of talked about that but then it was like well i don't know if you want to go there but (laughs) but anyway it, it was just very fascinating across the board it really is a great couple of pieces, and they continue here throughout the week. So give us a nugget that you never know. Doc, you know about as much as anybody in this kind of side of the world of the sports media out there. What are some things that you had no clue, you didn't even have a kind of a leading question to go down a path that surprised you as you were going through these conversations with Delaney and putting this all together? Honestly, I didn't know it was quite as contentious with Penn State. Um, mm. That jumped out to too, yeah. Yeah, it, it initially it was they had a nine zero vote. One of the presidents weren't there. It was just kind of informal, and and hey, we're going to add Penn State, and and but the presidents kept that. They didn't tell anybody in their athletics departments, <laughs> and they just did it on their own. And then once they found out, um, <laughs> I don't want to give away the whole story, but Delaney said, and all hell broke loose, and and that's when the athletic directors found out. It got very, very contentious, and it was very close to not happening. And so I was a little bit surprised that that was the case. And, and I think Delaney being as open about Notre Dame, uh, that they continue to have discussions even after uh, 1999, but the fact that he said we were not willing to go into that kind of scenario that uh, that the ACC does, where they have you know a, you know five big uh, football games and then uh, you know in on everything else, so. I think, you know, he was pretty open with Notre Dame for the most part. And, um, you know, I would have liked to have had him talk more about the other schools. But overall, I think he was much more open than I ever expected him to be. As much as a visionary, or certainly somebody who was right when about this more often than he wasn't, uh, in one of the final pieces, Doc, do you get him to uh, get his crystal ball out and, and ask him where this thing is ultimately going to go? I would love to hear from him how he thinks this whole realignment is going to shake out and what the timeline is timeline is for that. Did you ask him that? Yeah, I did. And, and uh, you know, one of his quotes appeared today with Nicole Arbach's story on uh, kind of what we're looking ahead. And, and he thinks that 16 is the max. He says when you go beyond 16 that you start to worry about um, market power. And that's a situation where, especially if it's the Big Ten and SEC, because they are so powerful that the more that they add, it could get more scrutiny from the Department of Justice and from federal officials as to potentially now they're just conferences. So they just kind of exist. But he said then they become more institutional and and will be subject to more scrutiny. And so uh, that's where he's most concerned with. I mean, and he says he still wants a a robust, uh, you know, Pac-12 and and ACC. And he played basketball in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for Dean Smith. So he's, he's pretty invested there. But but he likes the fact that there's still a lot of leagues. So he 
I think he would, if he had his preference, it would stay pretty much status quo. Uh, but he did admit that he would have taken UCLA and USC if they were available. Hmm. Doc, uh, you've been teasing this piece for a long time, uh, and it was certainly worth the wait. It's tremendous, tremendous read. His influence on college athletics shouldn't be lost on anybody. Well done, Scott Dockerman. We'll talk to you early next Monday. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate it. All right, thanks. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thank you. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic is a week inside the Jim Delaney and his influence on the uh, realignment. My mm-hmm. gosh, it's incredible. It is. So many different paths. What uh-huh. could have happened? What could have been different? Yeah. If the Pac-16 would have become a thing going back at mm. that time period. But 16's the magic number, which uh-huh. I think is probably going to resonate positively in a number of cities or, uh, around the, the college landscape. Because we keep hearing about 20-team super conferences. Right. Right? So if it's 16, you're going to need at least four survivors. Do you? Well, what do you, you can't relegate all of those teams. That's too many. You wouldn't think so. That's too many. That gets you into the 60s. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I am too. I am too. Are the heavy heads in the Big Ten and the SEC fine with that, though? They're the ones that pull the strings, not us. And Delaney's gone. Yes. He's still influential, but he's yeah. no longer in charge. And still a consultant for the Rose Bowl. Yeah, making money doing that. Yeah. Unbelievable. Speaking of Randy Larson, you know what else I didn't know about him? Graduated from Iowa State. Played basketball at Iowa State. Oh, really? Walked on at Iowa State. Didn't know that about him until I read the piece. I think it might have been uh, Pat Hardy's. Anyways, uh, we'll come back. Trent's Plays of the Day. Uh, That's next. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station 106.com. Not only does Central Iowa Sports provide a great environment for youth to play baseball and fast pitch, but they promote sportsmanship in the game. Help players, parents, and coaches and their relationship with umpires. Central Iowa Sports also donates throughout the year to local Iowa charities, along with donating the awards to the Iowa Miracle League, Central Iowa Sports, helping boost local economy by hosting local tournaments and creating great part-time seasonal jobs. Find out how you can get involved at Central Iowa Sports. We cure prevent any disease. The biggest pro football contests in Vegas are back and bigger than ever with $14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circus Sports. Enter in Nevada, play from anywhere. Two ways to win and no rate. Play Circa Million, where you make five picks against the spread each week with 100% payback. Or join Circus Survivor, where you select one team each week straight up. Last the longest to win it all. $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit CircusSports.com. Trent's Pick of the Day is brought to you by Circus Sports. Download the Circus Sports app today to play with Trent or against him. Hi, I'm Millery Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Circus Sports sponsors Trent's Play of the Day. Uh, that momentarily, you've got a four-pack tomorrow, a quadruple header. That's right. Of high school baseball. You'll be on the bull for the majority of those games, mm-hmm. but on our sister station in Ames KSI for the little Cyclones game. So what's your day entail tomorrow? Tomorrow, 11.30, we'll get things started with the Johnston Dragons, the number one seed, again, in the state baseball tournament as they open things up against Iowa City Liberty. First pitch, 11.30 a.m., 96.9 on the FM dial. You can also find it on the iHeartRadio app. Just search 96.9 The Bull, and it will pop up. Uh, From there... 
we go to 2 o'clock. That will be the all-Central Iowa matchup. It is DCG Dallas Center Grimes as they go up against the Dowling Catholic Maroons. First pitch at 2 o'clock for that one. 5 o'clock we continue. <laughs> Southeast Polk as they are the number 3 seed. They get the Tigers of Cedar Falls. And then the nightcap. But wait, there's more. Oh yeah, number 4 <laughs> of the day as we make our way through 28 innings of baseball. Oh, God. 56 sides. It will be the Little Cyclones making their first appearance in the state baseball tournament since 1995 when I was a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. They will take on Iowa City City High. It'll be the Cyclones and the Little Hawks doing battle with the nightcap. 7-30, K-A-S-I. Are you working with anyone at all? I've got a couple people stopping in. Good. Yeah, we'll we'll try to stretch out those vocal cords a little <sighs> bit and see a lot of great baseball. Then back at it on Thursday for the semifinals. Game one on the bowl, game two on KXNO. And the championship game Friday night on KXNO. We will have all the games there for you. 96-9. That is the place to start, though, with the coverage tomorrow. All right. Uh, before you get out of here, let's make some money. Who do you like tonight? Well, I was uh, looking at the Action Network app, and for the first time in a long time, I had a losing month. You did? Lost five units. We're mm. down. Overall. And how many winning months did you strung together before that? It started in November. So November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. You were due. Due. Yep. Eight straight months. We're on the downside. We'll turn it around. British Open, I'm going to make a boatload of money. That Robert McIntyre boy, if we would have cashed that's, that's that one. That's going to hang with you for a while, too. It's going to sting. It absolutely is, and he's probably going to be part of my betting card already. Rory needs to go birdie birdie to take away 105 to 1 cash. <sighs> Ooh, what could have been. Tonight, we got four baseball games for you. Let's kick things off in Pittsburgh. The Pirates welcome in the Guardians. Pirates are starting a guy for the first time. You know what that means for me? Curry's been pretty good. He's a young guy for them. How does Cleveland always find these pitchers? It's just it's nonstop with this organization. We'll lay it. Sound like a Twins fan with the two and a half game lead. Minus one twenty in that one. The other favorite I'm going to take tonight. Give me Boston minus one fifty four against the A's. Yes, it's out there. Blackburn's one of the better pitchers for Oakland still. Just at that price, I still think Boston's that Sears kid who pitched yesterday against the Twins. He's pretty good. Yeah, two dogs. Give me McKenzie. Gore and the D-backs tonight against Drew Smiley. A D-backs, the Nationals against the Cubs this evening. And I'm going to play my Twins tonight. Not very often you hear me make a play. But a good pitching matchup, Trent. That it is. Gilbert opposite Sonny Gray. Looking forward to that. Fun night baseballs. I'll be doing my prep work and (laughs) watching a little baseball late this evening. All right. We will uh, see the whites of your very eyes on uh, Wednesday. We'll talk to you to begin the show tomorrow. Uh, that's going to do it. Murph and Andy are coming up next. The drive with Heather and Sean from 3 to 6. Morning Rush starts your day. We're Miller and Connor, 11 to 1, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.